What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back into another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Makers Mark and DraftKings, of course, part of the Boot Crew Media Podcast Network. We have a lot to talk about for this particular episode. We'll talk about Alvin Kamara's legal situation, the rising stars at training camp thus far, my thoughts on Michael Thomas's return, and a whole lot more here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, guys, this is the Straight Up Saints podcast of Boot Crew Media, Um, and it's been quite a a month. We're into August, and I can't tell you how thrilled I am that August is finally here because July wasn't too kind to me. I I, I think I'm someone who's pretty transparent about, like, my situation uh, on Twitter and whatever, just like talking to you guys because, you know what, we all got a vent, uh, especially in today's world where – so much, you know, shit going on. People got to let things get aired out. And uh, so earlier this month, and now I'm, I'm speaking in the past tense for July, not August, although it is August 1st while you guys are listening to it. Uh, I took a bit of a break on Twitter. Nothing crazy. I think like three, four, five days, whatever it might have been. Um, because truthfully, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. I still deal with anxiety almost on the daily. Uh, it's a part of life, unfortunately. I am trying my best to find the necessary help to make sure that it doesn't become unbearable. And I I feel like hopefully it'll get there someday. And then last week I end up getting COVID and I'm not saying like, Oh, my life is the worst and this is terrible. No, no, I'm very fortunate to be in the situation I am. It was just funny. It was one of those months though, that, you know, when you feel like the walls are closing in and you're like, man, I just need a restart or whatever. And I was like, it's fitting that it ended. The month ended with me getting COVID. Uh, I am doing much better, but that's why I have not recorded since July 26, 27-ish, which is unfortunate because uh, Michael Thomas has come back. Paulson Debo's balling out. Um, Chris Olave was great over the weekend. I know John Hendricks did some great stuff for us here at Buku Media about that. And there was a lot of stuff going on. I just felt like I couldn't really talk about it because A, I didn't have the energy, and B, I didn't have the voice to talk about it. Uh, I started getting symptoms around last Wednesday, and then... Thursday, I had a 101 fever with body aches, chills. Um, started getting a cough that got in there. Uh, crazy neck pain, sore throat. I thought I had strep at first, but not the case. Um, everything, everything, except for losing smell and and uh, taste, thankfully. Uh, but you think about a COVID symptom, you name it, I had it. Um, and I'm just glad that I'm definitely on the mend. Uh, because I want to talk Saints football with you guys. And that is something that brings me great joy. So let's get into it. Sorry for a little rant about uh, my situation the last couple of weeks, but I feel like it's always great to chat. And if people ever want to hit me up and have things to get off their chest, I'm always here for you guys. Um, and I hope you guys know that. So let's start off with some really fun, exciting news. And that's the fact that during Monday's practice, and not just Monday's practice, every single practice training camp so far, Paulson Adebo, second-year cornerback out of Stanford, has been a baller. Uh, I'm not surprised by it. Paulson Debo is a kid that he did not play his 2020 season of college football, COVID pandemic, understandable. A lot of guys, him, Jamar Chase, a lot of big names didn't play. And you'd be like, hey, you know, you need a little bit of a learning curve when you get to the NFL. Tough position to play. You haven't played since 2019. Not the case for him. Week one, you're playing against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers gets a pick, looks great doing it. And he had some rough moments. I remember against the Giants game, he struggled. 
but there's never a moment that seemed too big for him in the sense that he wouldn't be able to bounce back. And that's the mark of a good cornerback, but that's also the mark of a kid who's made for this NFL. Um, and I think I think I remember tweeting something like he's made for this shit, and I meant it last year because I saw it with Paul Sandebo. The moment never felt too big, but he always had what I like to call for a cornerback your greatest trait, amnesia. You never want to have, you know, uh, long-term memory as a cornerback. Short-term memory loss as a cornerback, greatest thing you can have, not literally, just as a trait. You make a mistake, you get back up, you figure out a way to over, you know, overcome, not overcompensate, but, uh, you know, overcome it. And that's something that I think when Saints fans make fun of Eli Apple um, for various reasons, the reason, the biggest reason Eli Apple has ever struggled in my eyes is that you can tell a bad play gets to him. Wasn't the case with Paulson. Nonetheless, Paulson Debo so far through training camp, doesn't matter if they're just wearing jerseys and shorts, shells and shorts, pads coming on this Monday, balls out every single time. Doesn't matter if it's one on ones, team drills, he is standing out. And Paulson Adebo, I remember going into training camp, people were like, hey, is he still going to be cornerback two? Because they drafted Elante Taylor. Bradley Roby's still here. There's competition. And there is competition. But we're seeing that competition is bringing out the best in this young cornerback right here in Paulson Adebo. And if he continues to ascend at this level, not only does that make the Saints better, it gives them one of the better cornerback tandems, it also gives them a higher ceiling. Because I look around the league, a lot of these a lot of these good teams, they got great wide receivers, right? We all know about that. Thankfully, now the Saints are in that class of having really good wide receiver talent. When you have the cornerbacks to match up, that changes an awful lot. Changes a lot, guys. So if Paulson Adebo is cemented status as cornerback two, and the rest of your depth chart, you still have Alante Taylor, Bradley Roby, PJ Williams, CJ Gardner Johnson. That is a loaded DB room with, of course, Marcus May and Tyron Matthew as your safety. So Paulson Debo, somewhat of a breakout so far. You can hear more about it from John Hendricks, who has a video up for Buku Media on their YouTube page. Great stuff that John did there. I would highly recommend you checking it out. So Paulson Debo is really rising up the ranks. And I don't think this is a fluke. I think this is a guy who is peaking and playing better and better. And sometimes competition, some guys don't really rise up to the challenge. That's not the case for him. He is absolutely passing and excelling. Um, at a high rate. I'm so excited to see how Paulson Debo plays in year two. Another guy that is younger, but getting better as he gets older, obviously, which is what you want to see, Adam Troutman. Uh, I already did a little bit of a a short vlog on Adam Troutman and why I think some people might be sleeping on him. And, you know, I'm sure after I even say this, people will still be sleeping on him. That's okay. Because I think with Adam Troutman, there's a lot of people just waiting to see the results first before they just dive right in and, and get invested. Because Adam Troutman, year one, showed some flashes. Willie was Jared Cook. I know, shouldn't say the name, but Jared Cook was the tight end one. And Adam Troutman had some moments here. Year two was supposed to be the year. Everyone was okay that Jared Cook left because Adam Troutman's going to become tight end one. He's going to become that next big Saints tight end, which they really haven't had since Jimmy Graham. Benjamin Watson had a good year. Kobe Fleener was okay at times when he wasn't hurt. But they really haven't had that replacement long-term after Jimmy Graham. We all thought and hoped it could be Adam Troutman. And it still very well could be. Just not the growth that you want or expect. But that's okay. Because last year, I think the expectations were too high for Adam Troutman. It was a detriment to him. Because we were all expecting some type of George Kittle knockoff to come in and have 800, 900 yards, whatever. That was never feasible, plausible, not happening. 
that last year's team. Passing game wasn't good enough. Receivers around him weren't good enough. Jameis Winston got hurt. Revolving door at quarterback. So it makes sense. It makes sense as to why that they just were unable to have that type of success. That being said, um, you know, you hear what's going on in training camp, him leading in targets, him leading in catches. You see that he looks more comfortable another year in the system. You add Taysom Hill to that group, less pressure on him should open up stuff. More importantly, Michael Thomas coming back, Jarvis Landry in the fold, Chris Olave in the fold. You're a defensive coordinator, and I'm going down the checklist. I'm worrying about Michael Thomas. I'm worrying about Alvin Kamara. I'm worrying about Olave, Landry. I'm not getting to Adam Trauma until like fifth on the checklist. So that that's a great, for me, a great sign that some people might be sleeping on him, and that's a good thing because he'll have his opportunities to shine. Um, I think the chemistry with Jameis Winston's building, we're seeing that in training camp. And I think for Adam Troutman, do I expect him to have jaw-dropping numbers? No, but like, do I expect him to be better than he was last year? Yes, and I, and again, I always go to this with Adam Troutman. We'll never know how last season was going to play out because when he finally balled out against the Eagles, five catches for 58 yards and a touchdown, what happened? He got hurt. So he missed the Bills game. He missed the Cowboys game. He missed the Jets game. He just wasn't ready. Like, he wasn't able to build off that one really successful start that you say, okay, now you can build momentum. It didn't happen for his sake. So, more talent around him, less pressure on him. I think that's a good thing for Adam Chapman. And, and does it mean that he's the next star tight end? I don't know. But do I think he's going to be tight end one undisputably and kind of quiet the noise about Taysom and Juwan Johnson or Lucas Kroll? I do. I, I firmly feel that way. Um, and this isn't a gut feeling thing. This is seeing him put up consistent practice after consistent practice after consistent practice. There's still time in training camp for this to all unravel. But so far, I feel pretty good about Adam Troutman. So that's kind of where I feel about Troutman and Debo. Now, let's talk about Alvin Kamara. Some pretty good news if you're a Saints fan, which you are, because if you're not a Saints fan and you're listening to a podcast called Straight Up Saints, I'm very confused. Very confused. Um, that said, his battery case has been pushed back to September 29th, according to court records. It's the third time that it's been pushed back. Saints will be practicing in London this week. So what does this mean about the case? For starters, unless the NFL breaks their history of what they do with a situation like this, Alvin Kamara will not miss the first three games of the season. That's what we know. That's what we know. Also, what we do know through this whole thing is they're doing the method of pushing back the court date and pushing it back and pushing it back to the point where I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to get suspended this year. He might get suspended next year, assuming this case goes on, charges don't get dropped, uh, like the Lattimore situation. But it just seems like he's not going to get suspended this year unless, A, TMZ leaks out a video of what exactly happened, and NFL's like, oh, we have to act. Or, on September 29th, this trial finally gets going, and they have a very quick decision, which, again, unlikely. So, I think right now, if you're a Saints fan, you're thrilled to know that Alvin Kamara will be ready for week one, ready for week two, uh, probably ready for week three. Because remember, the Saints are going to start this season with division games. And you got the Falcons to kick it off on the road. Then you got the Pan uh, the Buccaneers at home. Then you got the Panthers on the road. You have Alvin Kamara for those three division games. That's good. You have a better chance of winning with Alvin Kamara on your team. It's a simple math equation. So good news on the Kamara front. It does get pushed back. Uh, I'm not going to play, you know, judge and, you know, jury over here as to what happened because – we were not there. Obviously, Alvin gave the play-by-play -play as to what happened, which is great. That's why I usually wait for a lawyer to come there. But in terms of this season, 
him potentially missing time, something has to change quickly for us to feel like that's the case. So as of now, I'd say you read the report on Alvin, you see that gets pushed back to September 29th. It could get pushed back yet again because the Saints are going to be in London that week. So Alvin could be in London and some of the other defendants could be in London as well. And you could be like, all right, well, we got to push it back. They're not here to, to, to speak about it. And then it gets pushed back another two months. So, and if it gets past, pushed back another two months, you get into November, early December. This thing's not getting handled this year. So um, I think that's good news for the Saints in terms of having Alvin Kamara. All the other legal stuff, they'll, they'll get figured out in due time. But I'd say it's positive news so far. Now, before I get into more Saints stuff, this Alvin Kamara, you know, people are talking about the situation, how many games he'll miss, and comparing it to other people's situations. Uh, I, I want to say, because... I like to think that I'm a consistent person with some things. I know I like flip on some things because that's the nature of, you know, people podcasting. We say so much shit that eventually you might contradict another statement. But one thing I am going to be consistent on is how I felt uh, from day one about this whole Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, and I, I'll start from the beginning for people who don't know. I thought the world of Deshaun Watson coming out of college, favorite quarterback prospect in the draft. Um, as someone who didn't grow up liking Alabama, watching him beat Alabama in the national championship game on the way they did with that throw to Hunter Renfro, I was like, man, this guy is a hero. Like this dude's like just bigger than life type of college football star. Uh, and you see him play well in Houston. You root for him. He's an, he's an electric football player, no doubt. But anyone who's followed the last two years of what's been going on with Watson and, and you really read all the detailed pieces, like what's coming out in the New York times and, and what SI's put out before it's tough to really side with him. And, and I said, when the Saints were interested in him, I, I wasn't a fan of it. Didn't mean I was going to stop covering this team or, liking this team because it just, for me, one person player is not going to ruin what I've enjoyed doing. But I, I'm consistent about how I feel about how this situation should have been handled. And when Deshaun Watson gets six games after dealing with 24 civil lawsuits, 20 of them being settled after he said he wouldn't settle because he didn't think he had to settle because there was no wrongdoing, something changed because you did settle 20 of the 24. And the Houston Texans come out and settle um, with 30 women, which means the likelihood is more women were allegedly or in situations with Deshaun, just not as not more than 24 actually went to court about it, but there's probably more involved. And you see New York Times reports about how he was with over 60 massage therapists over the course of 17 months. And you know that the Texans knew about this early on. It's just not great, man. Um, and all I'll finish up by saying this, and I'm not comparing his suspension to whatever Alvin might get, apples and oranges, I'm not a fan of really doing that type of stuff. But what I will say is I feel bad and I really like it breaks my heart for NFL fans who are females who watch this sport and know that time and time again, when the league has a chance to send out a good message about caring about not only that demographic, but just women in general and not doing the right thing. It's really tough. And I know that younger people might come in and say that, like, this is a woke take or, you know, there's he wasn't charged with anything or blah, blah, blah. It's, for me, I, I, I don't think that's a good response. I, I don't think being on Deshaun Watson's side here is, is wise. I, and, again, it's not just a Deshaun thing. Like, how many times have players, domestic violence, either caught on video or multiple-time offenders – but they get a second chance because they're good at football. Like, I think that stuff has to stop. There's certain things you do in life that you, you really, it's tough to give someone a second chance off that type of stuff. And more importantly, not only a second chance, getting rewarded off of it. 
Deshaun Watson's got a fully guaranteed contract. Deshaun Watson's going to make $45 million this year. Deshaun Watson's only going to miss six out of 17 games after dealing with 24 civil lawsuits. That means each lawsuit counted for a quarter that he will get suspended this season. Um, it's just tough. And players are getting suspended more for, for smoking weed or getting suspended more for gambling, which, again, I, I don't agree with gambling on your own sport. I think that's asinine. But Calvin Ridley's getting a year for having a damn, you know, um, sports betting account. And Tom Brady got suspended four games for deflating a football in a game they were going to win regardless if he deflated it or not. So I, I, it's just, I know this is a tangent and a rant that's not Saints-related, but Saints did show interest in Deshaun at one time. And again, my heart goes out to the women who do like the NFL because this was a chance for them to kind of put their foot down and come out and defend y'all. And they didn't. And I feel really bad about that. And I, and I apologize to those who have to go through today and anyone who's ever been sexually assaulted or dealt with sexual misconduct or know someone who's dealt with that. Like this is yet again, another day that you feel like those people, again, we do not know if Deshaun is or isn't, but the history is not good on his side right now. You almost feel like you empower these people because they're getting paid. They're not getting punished that much. And it's just really frustrating. So I just felt the need to talk about that. Um, and get that off my chest. I didn't really rant about it on Twitter because everyone's talking about it on Twitter. Um, what's one more guy's take going to mean on this? Because again, again, at the end of the day, yet again, another guy speaking about it, but NFL do better. Do better, please. Please, please, please do better. So I'll go back to the New Orleans Saints and I'll go back to positive mood. Michael Thomas. Two words. That's all I got to say. Michael Thomas, man. He's back and... I'm at the point where, like, you know when, like, Michael Thomas comes back, and I had a doctor on the show who I, I like, like, I like his content, but he was talking about how you didn't know if Michael Thomas would ever be Michael Thomas again, and he might end up being right, and I'm sure if if that is the case, I'd love to have him back on the show, and we could talk about how he knew or what led him to make those assumptions or beliefs, but when I see Michael Thomas out there practicing, and I see him looking motivated as hell, and I see him tweeting some shady stuff in a good way, and by shady, I mean, like, He's letting the world know that he's back. Puts a smile on my freaking face, man. Because I think for Michael Thomas, there is no greater motivator than himself when you're looking at his perspective. And if you don't think for the last two years he's heard who's the best wide receiver in the league or who's that and Slant Boy's missing time and he's now, you know, his best days are behind him. I don't think that for a second. And... I think Michael Thomas is going to come out with his ass on fire in a good way. And I think he's going to play great football this year as long as he's healthy. Like, I think it's that simple. I don't think it's like one of those, he needs to be healthy. And if he's healthy, maybe he could be good. No, I think it's like if Michael Thomas is healthy, I think he's going to play really well this year. So I'm very excited that he's back in action, back, back at practice, doing his thing, getting workouts in, getting reps in. How can it not put a smile on your face, man? How can it not? And I know he's not in team drills yet. Like, he's going to ramp up a little bit more. But he looks like he'll be ready for week one. He's running routes where you don't see, like, his ankles giving in or he's dealing with pain after. And it was such a long road. And I, I just know that people forget how good Michael Thomas can be. But I was actually having this conversation with my brother um, today, actually. And we're talking about Michael Thomas. And we're like, man, I just hope he's back. Because Michael Thomas... He's one of those guys that he's going to let you know what he's going to do. And then he's going to go do it anyway because you just can't stop him. And there's a beauty to that. And there's there's just such a really badass element to it. And I'm just thrilled that he's back in the lineup. And 
again, someone who's got a Michael Thomas picture behind him, you know, I'll be pulling for the guy. So very excited to see what happens with Michael Thomas. And I hope we continue to see more growth um, and development in his injury recovery and also just his progress in training camp and what he's been able to do. Now, before I wrap it up, I did tweet that I want you guys to send in comments, questions, concerns, whatever, and I'll bring him up and I'll talk about it here. And that's what I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap it up with your questions and get into them. Um, so if people send me after, I apologize. As of this recording, I'm reading what uh, they got, whatever I got on the replies. Uh, if you send me another thing, I can always bring it over to the next podcast. could always do that. So I'm going to jump right in and go into it. I'm going to kind of do a two for one here. Two people asked me about the Tyron Matthews situation, scale of one to 10. Uh, how do you feel about this? And someone just writing your thoughts on Tyron Matthews situation. So we'll dump, you'll jump into that one and then I'll keep it moving after that. So for Tyron Matthew, hasn't been a training camp, personal matter. He's been away from the team. Dennis Allen said that they're going to give him the time that he needs and that, you know, they, they there's a date that they want him back, of course, but they are going to make sure that he has the space to deal with what he needs to, and they'll be waiting with open arms for him. So a lot of people love to freak out over the weekend about what happened on Instagram. Tyron Matthew, did he delete this? Did he delete that? I don't even know if he did. I don't, I don't follow Tyron Matthew on Instagram because I'm not really a big Instagram guy. That is the one app I really don't use. I'm on Instagram for uh, looking at updates on Funko Pops, looking at stuff about tennis and golf, even though I'm not very good at it. And then looking at, truthfully speaking, when my girlfriend posts something, and she's like, hey, you're going to like this, and I'll, I'll go like her post. That, that's what I'm using Instagram for. That's what I'm using Instagram for, honestly. And I, I had no clue, but people text me like, hey, did you see this Tyler Matthew stuff? And I was like, all right, let me look into it, whatever. I, I really don't think it's a big deal. He, he left because of a personal matter. And he was so enthusiastic about playing for the Saints and coming back to the community and 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 how it's going to be a larger-than-life type of maybe finish to his career here. Why would there be a sudden 180 where it's like, hey, I do not want to play for this team. They suck. No, like, that didn't happen. And that doesn't mean that, like, you know, he's definitely going to play this year or whatever. But I, 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 I'll put this at a 3 out of 10. Like, you know... I want to put it at a one, but I, I'm not like naive enough to say that like there's not a possibility that something could happen or we don't even know what he's dealing with. So my, my heart goes out to him if it's a serious personal matter. And I hope whatever time he needs to figure it out, it gets figured out and him and his family are all right. So I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. We don't, None of us know what it is. So I'll put it at a three out of 10 in terms of my concern. And, and that's like me being loose with it. I'm really not concerned. If anything, I'm just more concerned for his situation. I hope he's all right. But he's been so enthusiastic about this team. Why would there be a 180 on this? So I, I'm not really worried yet. Uh, we'll see what happens. What's the battle for the third running back spot looking like? Jones, Smith, Washington, who you got? As of now, it seems like the slight lean is Abram Smith. He's still got to prove it. Still got to play well in preseason and, and the rest of training camp, especially with the pads on. But I, I think for Abram Smith, Saints gave him a lot of guaranteed money as an undrafted free agent. I think that he's got the potential there. He showed at Baylor final season. He's good in between the tackles. I like him, man. He's got that physical big element to him. And, and I think that Tony Jones Jr., unfortunately, like how much better can he get? Where Abram Smith, there's a little bit of unknown, but I kind of like that unknown. So I'm going to go Abram Smith right now. That would be my gut feeling as to who gets that running back three job. Who knows, though? Maybe Malcolm Brown can sneak up the radar as well. Do you think Lattimore, Adebo can be a top five cornerback duo this year? From all accounts, it sounds like Adebo's having a great camp. Yeah, so Adebo is having a great camp. You're absolutely right about that. 
And I do think they could be a top five quarterback duo. I look around the league. There's some good ones out there. Rasul Douglas and Jerry Alexander, um, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. You can look at Darius Slay and James Bradbury. You can look at Humphrey and Peters on the Ravens, Jackson and, um, Sam, and it's not the same junior on the chargers, Ramsey and Troy Hill on the Rams. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good duos. There's a lot of good duos in this league, but I, I think if Adebo keeps playing at that level, Saints are going to have a top five cornerback duo because I think they'll be able to kick out some of those other groups because their cornerback two will be significantly better. For example, I think Adebo will be better than a Troy Hill. I think Adebo can be better than an Asante Samuel Jr. Although Asante Samuel Jr. another guy second year, really good talented player. I think he can be better potentially than a Rasul Douglas. So we'll see. We'll we'll absolutely see. And then, of course, the, the cherry on top is Marshawn Lattimore, man, who he's a top-five corner. He's a top-five corner. So I, I think they absolutely can have one of the best duos in the league, and I am excited to see what they do this year. That's for sure. Will Malcolm Brown make the roster? That's a great question. I wish I could give you an answer, but I have no clue. I, it's so early in training camp, and I feel like for Malcolm Brown's sake, he's got a long way to go because he is like the newest guy in the fold. So maybe he's behind compared to everyone else in the field, but he can work his way up. He's a trusty veteran. So I'll say for now, I'll lean maybe towards no, but you know, I don't think that it's impossible. Like he is a very, very, very trusty veteran. So I am, I'm excited to see what, what happens with him because he's a guy that his last season with the Rams. So two years ago, 2020, I thought he was a really good role player. So can the Saints kind of re, can they find that again? If they can, that really helps out your backfield. So we'll see what happens with Malcolm Brown. But I probably know right now, but I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible in the slightest. How will Dennis Allen implement his plan for the offense? So I saw someone brought this up, and I think that's a fantastic question, by the way. I, we don't really know until we see it into play. I don't think Pete Carmichael will have a big voice on this, and I think he'll run the show. And I go back to that Buck Saints game from last year, and I look at the splits, pass run. Saints ran the ball 30 times, uh, I'm sorry, 31 times, and they threw it 27 times. So a pretty balanced offense. And that was with a really, really bad receiving core and an offense that put up nine points. But it was good enough to win the game because the Saints defense just absolutely shut down Tom Brady like they have done for the last couple of years. So I think that the blueprint is there. If they want to be balanced, they can be a balanced attack. But I think they also should air it out a little bit more, right? Better weapons around, better quarterback now that Jameis Winston should be healthy. So I think that at the minimum, if they need to be a 50-50 team, they can do it. But I also remember Pete Carmichael calling the shots in 2012. Granted, that's with prime Drew Brees. They were airing the hell out of that football. Now they had Drew Brees at quarterback, and their defense could not stop anything. So that could have played into it. So it's almost tough. So on one hand, it's like your one example is – a team that had to run the football a lot against the Bucs because their offensive passing game wasn't good. And then the other example is Drew Brees and the Saints offense that had to throw the ball and could throw the ball well. So it's not the best example, I best examples, excuse me, but I, I think the blueprints are there for both. So we're just going to have to see how it goes down. I think the game script will always dictate it, right? If the defense is playing well, maybe you can run the football a little bit more, be a little bit closer to 50-50. Defense isn't playing great. It's a shootout type of game. Got to air it out more. And I, and I think the Saints have the, the offensive coordinator to figure it out. I, I don't want to underestimate Pete Carmichael. He's been there for a long time. We'll, we'll see what he does. What do you think going into the season is our weak point? The defense looks on point. Huh. I, I will say this. I'm not saying it's a weak point. I, I want to see how the offensive line looks. It's very unproven. 
you know where you're going to get a Ramchek, and you kind of know where you're going to get an Eric McCoy. But then you have injury concerns with Andrew Pete. You have Cesar Ruiz, who's not proven anything yet. And then you have a left tackle situation with James Hurst, who is solid, not great, but also you're replacing Teron Armstead, who's just an all-around great player, great leader. And then you have Trevor Penning, who's going to need some time to develop. So possible question mark at left tackle, possible question mark at left guard, absolute question mark at right guard. So two-fifths of your offensive line, you feel like it's solidified, but that's not good enough. That's only 40% of that unit. So I think that the Saints' O-line for me, I don't know if I'm going to say it's the weak point, but it's a point of concern, and it's one where I'm like, all right, how are you guys going to hold up? Because I love the receiver room right now. I think the tight end room might surprise people. I think the running back room is going to be fine as long as Alvin Kamara is healthy. So it comes down to me, how is that offensive line going to hold up? But if you want a weak point, like a position group, one particular position group, I'm going to go defensive tackle because there's just not a lot of proven star power there. David Onyemata could be a star. I thought he didn't play as great as he could last year. They brought in Catavia Street, and Shai Tuttle's had his moments like shoving Matt Ryan into the shadow realm, but it's a group that needs to get a little bit better. So I, I, that would be my weak point. If I'm really specifying it, I'll go defensive tackle. But I'm talking about a whole unit. Offensive line, you got to show me something. I'm really curious to see how that goes. So last question here, what does the tight end room look like? I think it's really simple right now. I think Troutman's on there. I think Taysom Mill's going to be on there. And I think someone who you can't deny at this point is Lucas Kroll. I think Lucas Kroll, at, at some point, you know when you start saying a guy's name so many times, it's like, hey, like, it sticks. Lucas Kroll makes plays as a blocker. He's had some good plays as a pass catcher. He's young, man. He could de- You could potentially develop him. Why not? Like, you know, Vanette's a solid option. Jawan Johnson's a solid option. Lucas Kroll's pushing, and and there's that potential element to him as well. So I don't know who's going to get that tight end three job, but I feel very good about Taysom and Troutman, obviously. But the Saints got some options. Like, I I think that we're so harsh on the tight end room that we don't realize that, like, whoever wins that tight end three job, they went through a pretty, pretty hard battle. A pretty hard battle. So I am very curious to see how that all plays out. And as the days go on, I feel a little bit better about the tight end room than I did earlier this year. And that's good because I felt terrible about the tight end room earlier this year. So that'll wrap it up for these questions. If I didn't get to yours, I sincerely apologize and I will try to add it into the next show. But um, actually, there is one more. There is one more. Thank God I caught that because I did like this tweet. It'd be so ridiculous of me to like that tweet and then not answer the question. With Quan signing with the Jets, do you see the Saints looking for any potential linebacker available to trade or sign a free agency? Trade? I would say no. Sign? I I would say also no on that, but we also do have to remember that the Saints did bring in Joe Schobert for a a visit earlier this year. He's still a free agent. He did visit with the Broncos recently. If the Saints want to revisit that option, maybe they can. But other than that, no, I I think they're ready to go. Pete Werner's back again, so I'm going to say no on that. Thank God I didn't miss your question. I would have felt terrible about that. But Overall, that's what we got so far. If you have more questions, I could pull it into the next podcast. I'm sure there's stuff that you guys have left unanswered or, or some comments, concerns that you want to throw in here, and I'll make sure to get to it. But again, still dealing a little bit with COVID. I, I sound much better than I did last week. Last week, I sounded like um, a character in Zootopia that was like propositioning one of the main characters. Maybe I have the movie messed up, but I'm pretty sure I sounded like someone from Zootopia last week. It wasn't great. I, I really was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? But feeling much better. Wanted to record this pod and get this out for you guys. And we'll see what happens. Full week of training camp coming up. And we'll have it covered here. Buku Media. I'll have content. Jack Collado will have content. John Hendricks will have content. So a lot of good stuff here, which means you should be subscribing 
to Boot Crew Media's YouTube page if you already haven't. If you already haven't, what are you waiting for? We got some good stuff here. Make sure to check it out. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Who Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.